All right. Hello, everyone. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to another episode of Crypto with English. So today's theme is art galleries and how will these evolve in light of today's NFT and traditional, you know, art worlds. So without a doubt, you know, art galleries are very much the cornerstone of any major city you go to. This is this could be New York City, Miami, Los Angeles, London, Madrid. Art galleries have a very, very special place, and often they have a big part in the history of wherever you know you travel to. So I'd like to introduce a very, very special guest. She has a hand and a foot in both traditional art worlds and the NFT art world. I'd like to introduce Tamsin Lovell Miller. She's the founder and CEO of Artfundy. Now, Artfundy is an all-in-one inventory and website management software platform for art collectors, galleries, and artists. And this is to accommodate both the traditional art world and the NFT, Web3, Metaverse-type art world as well. So, Tamsin, thank you very much for coming on today. I feel like this is going to be a, indeed a treat and highly educational, to say the least. Thank you, Adam. Thanks for having me and, uh, and your audience. And I'm really uh, looking forward to the next hour with you and chatting about this fascinating topic, which um, we could probably go on for much, much longer, but uh, this is sure. going to be great. Right. Absolutely. Now, I just provide a little uh, preamble of, you know, your background and, you know, more or less a summary, but could you kind of get into the weeds about um, how you got your start within art and what was the moment you decided to migrate you know, I, I guess you could say a lot of the traditional uh, bulwark and infrastructure of the art gallery world into this new NFT, you know, frontier that we're in. My background is, uh, I would consider a bit of a patchwork quilt, really. So I, I started, started way back, sort of when I left uh, university in, uh, in science extreme science was kind of analytical chemistry and data wow. and like so it was proper science stuff and then uh, absolutely and then, then switch naturally as one does to fine art so uh, so i have this uh, left brain right brain kind of history that's that's gone all the way through but in fact when i look back on it it's the f it's, it's always the fascination of inquiry uh, that has driven me to the choices that I've made. And I, I ended up in the art world, opening a gallery, um, having a degree in fine art, but uh, years later, entering the art world as a gallery. And, and I'd come from the corporate world of uh, consulting, business consulting. So that in itself was interesting. And, and because of that corporate world, that background that I had working for very big global companies, I was used to using great technology to help us nice. get our jobs done. And there was a lot of it. Um, and it was the best in the world. So enter the art world and there was nothing. <laughs> there was Excel, wow. Excel spreadsheets and kind of Dropbox and a few other. It was, it, it was very, very different. And I was frustrated uh, and looked for a solution, couldn't find the right thing for us and decided after a few months, decided oh, I'm going to design it myself. Right. Uh, I hired a coder and had him build it for us. It took about a year and we used it internally. So we built the software initially to suit our own gallery needs. I had a team at that stage. I was still traveling and consulting. So it was great because it meant I could run the gallery right. um, from while I was traveling and 
And then, yeah, I, I had the gallery in South Africa initially, and then in London, another one. And uh, and after, I, I think I think it's timing. It's always about timing. So the world was beginning to change. I could see that while it was quite a foreign concept at the time, I I was frustrated initially um, within the within the art world. People were frustrated, but they were not ready to embrace digital transformation. Right. But that started to change, um, and I and I made the decision to leave the gallery. My partner continued the gallery, and I left completely and focused on bringing this art technology business to other galleries and other art businesses because I knew how much they were going to need it as the world changed, right. and that was. That was before the pandemic. So yeah, right. When that hit, it was like, whoa, really? Um, <laughs> it, be it became from kind of going to be necessary to, oh my gosh, we can't live without it. So right, that's great. And since this software is is kind of a nice, you could say, bridge or conduit, you know, between both of these worlds. Coming from the traditional art world, did you get a lot of pushback at first? when you were, you know, creating, I guess you could say the, uh, the MVP, or you started doing beta testing for this type of stuff. Cause I would imagine for many that are in the art world, there might be this notion, well, this is just how it's always been done. So like, you know, why add like this extra layer of bells and whistles? And obviously it's more than just bells and whistles. These are genuine tools, so to say, but I would imagine, you know, you might've encountered some of those conversations. Yes, I think you're right, uh, Adam. I think there was a resistance, to, but I think that's across any industry. There's resistance to change. Right. Uh, that's a human nature thing. Um, and then there's resistance to kind of additional learning. And uh, this is it right. perceived to be, oh, this is going to be difficult. But um, when you show people, typically it takes our customers one kind of 45 minute lesson and they're and they're away so it's not that difficult to learn actually and then they found the advantage of of having things that they used to have to do on multiple different kind of platforms all in one place being a huge benefit so the resistance was there um, and i think it's changing quite a lot and i've i've, I've noticed in the even in the last year people becoming a lot more um, knowledgeable and sophisticated and demanding in a way saying well i, I needs to do this as well or I've seen something that does that and so they're challenging me more and um, which is really right. great is it means they're they're exploring they're understanding the need you're not having to persuade them of the need anymore right it's <laughs> right. about the choice yes so that's awesome and I would imagine that having having this type of technology probably even saves hours maybe hundreds of hours worth of you know time and you know probably adds an additional layer of efficiency without probably having to do a lot of things like paperwork you know i think anything that saves anything that kind of mitigates the need for traditional paperwork i can only imagine how much you know uh you know added hours that you know probably you know provides and i would imagine until recently a lot of things were, may have been kept on ledgers but but, you know, and maybe to an extent like Excel sheets and, and, and stuff like that, uh, you know, as well. Is that correct? Absolutely. I remember we used to make, try and make catalogs on, because we weren't designers. And if you needed to make it in a hurry right. and you, 
you phone your designer who you've got on retainer and they say, oh, but they need a week's notice to make this thing and you need it tomorrow or today. Oh, right, right. <laughs> doing it in PowerPoint and, you know, sometimes it looked okay, but most of the time it looked not great. Um, and, and then it would depend who right. was doing it. Oh, disaster. So, it, yes, with the right sort of software tools, you can do it while you're on the phone to the client and it comes out in a perfectly designed PDF instantly uh, and you can send it to them. So that it, it really does save a, a ton of time. But I think, right. and getting more towards your topic, the one of the great advantages also of working with a tech company that's investing constantly in the latest technology is that the world is moving fast towards Web3 and it's uh, right. people are not fully understanding that future yet, but you want to be on, you want to be, being taken as a gallery or as a as an art business foundation or whatever you want to be taken along and kept up to date so and i'm finding many of my customers from the traditional art world gallerists they've got their own audience for example um and their audience is looking to them and has always looked to them as the kind of knowledge leaders right and and they're feeling oh, I better get up to speed. I better try and understand this thing. I haven't right. done it myself. Some are still questioning. I don't know if traditional artists should be doing NFTs. Some <laughs> of my artists want to, and some of them are still skeptical. And But right. as I say to them, you need to know. So you need to, to, to try it out, know how to do it, know how to advise your collectors, your artists. Right. Um, whether you... For some, it'll be the right thing to do, and for some, it won't be at all. And not everybody has to go and do NFTs, but right. but everybody has to know about it because it's it's huge and it's uh, it's changing the world. And it's related, of course. It's not just an NFT. It's not just a kind of virtual JPEG out there. It's part of right. the blockchain. It's part of Web three. It's part of an, an entire changing technological ecosystem. You can't ignore it. Right. And uh, I was curious about one thing as well. So, you know, coming from the traditional art world and let's say you're dealing with, you know, highly accomplished, you know, prestigious artists, you know, ones who have, you know, serious, you know, collections with very, you know, high net worth, you know, individuals, you know, who purchase these pieces of art among the artists. Is there some kind of I guess you could say, is there some sort of like a bad taste in the mouth type of thing? where it's like, why should I have to expand my art into an NFT? Like, is like, I guess what I'm saying is, does it feel a little degrading for some artists even to, you know, I guess wrap their head around the notion, okay, so I'm effectively, and I guess you could say this may be a fair point, am I just going to essentially have to make a JPEG of every piece I've made and, and put it out there? Like, I'm an artist. Why would I, why would I do that, so to say? You, you've hit on a very valid point, and I ha actually had an interview with a, a very established uh, artist a, about a week ago who was saying the same thing, and he's not doing it. He says, I'm not getting involved. Oh, wow. <laughs> it doesn't interest me at all. I refuse. Uh, I don't care, and I'm not interested. So, um, right. and, and some have that, and others others are are skeptical a little worried you know about regulation and scams sure. and they've heard and read this and that and there's a lot to read good and bad 
and others are jumping in and embracing it. And so it's all over the place. And I think it's about educating yourself, but it's it where it has begun um, and where it's heading to, I think is worth exploring that little journey because um, there's a lot available on the internet and on YouTube, et cetera, to look at and read. Some of it is older and it hasn't, you, you kind of got to know where the conversation is right now right? to, to be keeping up to date. So it, it's initially, and, and it comes back to your point also about the, the type of artists or the comfort of those artists. So the initial NFTs that were out there <laughs> not, not long ago at all, were typically most of them um, created by digital artists. Right. Digital Some, most of them from the gaming world. Right. So, and in the traditional art world, they weren't in the consideration set of artists. They were right. creating video games or, or doing something else. So they were, in a right. they were in a different community and suddenly they were creating art in these things. And um, and so everybody kind of watched that for a while, and and it was more the behavior even around the buyers of those NFTs was a completely different behavior to the collection but collectors' behavior in the traditional art world, and the biggest difference being the trading kind of behavior. So it right. was fun, and it's it's part of the game, and it's part of the fun to to trade with those NFTs. So you buy them, you might sell it the next day. Or you right, people are flipping them, yeah. A week later, in the traditional art world, that was horrifying. <laughs> horrifying. Right, that's a, I would imagine it's a big no-no. <laughs> big no-no, you can get yeah. back in the galleries. Right. Like flipping behavior. So so um, the entire um, the entire sort of systems and the way that they worked and the communities around them and the way they behaved were so different. and. So the art world, I think the traditional art was kind of watching that going on, but right. the but then the auction houses got involved and huge prices started hitting the market and everybody's eyes were wide open going, right. wait a minute, wait a minute, what is this? <laughs> um, so that's where it kind of started. And then, then artists started asking questions, but I'm a traditional artist, I paint, can I right. make NFT? from a painting can I scan a physical work into an nft is that okay because most of the stuff they'd seen was digital or animation or whatever right and and so I was getting a lot of those kind of questions what makes a good nft and right. and if this is my practice in general and I suddenly start doing that does that make sense for me as an artist uh, and I think those are very, very valid questions for traditional artists to ask. And right. and yet, and then there were some so excited about this because they had been traditional artists working in digital mediums, and they hadn't been. So they oh. were kind. Of, uh, they were yeah. working in, in the digital mediums and then translating those into a physical form in order to exhibit them in a gallery. So um, there are a number of those artists who. Are suddenly freed up to almost deliver or, or, or present their work in its purest form for the first time. And for many years, they've been working and, and, and having this kind of traditional 
translation that needed to happen in right. order to present properly in a gallery and that's not there anymore for them so for them it's like oh what a relief even performance right. performance art so for example performance artists who a used to really battle to sell work because how do you buy a performance that happens in the street right or right some, or some land art or some ephemeral thing that happens and disappears and so they what they would do is photograph it and then turn it into a print and then frame the print and hang it on a wall and, and by the right. time you've done that it's very far removed from the essence of what it was at the beginning and right. actually in nft form it's a little closer to what it was at the beginning because it's it's right i can see yeah it hasn't taken so many steps so yeah I, th I think there are so many different conversations happening and they're really really exciting i think people right. need to just get, get in on the conversation right and this platform it really serves you could almost say three classes or three parties within the art gallery system so it serves the artists the galleries and the collectors is that correct yes so starting with the artists uh what are the tangible benefits it, it offers if you know let's say a traditional artist or even an nft artist wants to start you know using this you know, keeping in mind i can I can pretty much export and migrate what I've already done onto the system and perhaps, you know, make everything faster and more time efficient and, you know, things like that. Uh, that's exactly, that's exactly what the benefit is. And it's, it, it puts everything into one place. So I think yes. time is, time is a huge value that we have today, but also the world is, less geographic and more global so it's completely right. possible to interact with and find and nurture if you if you've got the right tools to nurture relationships across the globe at all times of the day and night if you've right. got everything in one system and in one place and it's also about the art world has a a hidden set of rules that that take a while to get to understand and know. So if you're an artist that's wanting to get into being represented by a good gallery or getting into sort of art fairs with galleries or getting into right. museums, you have to understand those rules. We built those rules into the system. So the system will deliver, you put, you put your work into the system and what comes out is in the right format, the right, um, sort of language it's in it's, a, it's in the right look and feel for that art world so that's another advantage for artists right so for episode, galleries, yes for galleries, there are a lot of um, for galleries there are a lot of uh, sales tools and and galleries typically have a, a small team and it's kind of getting everybody on the same page and being able to access everything the latest version of everything and keeping an entire history um, so it's very easy to to follow up with clients, to see a, a history with clients, to to know exactly where everything is, um, right. and manage it. Yeah. Right, and to be and to be fair, it seems like this platform could also connect galleries and buyers to some of these up and coming artists as well. So I would imagine if you're a gallery, you want to 
really be in sync with times as far as what are going to be the emerging trends in art. And you certainly don't want to be the gallery that's left behind or that's that's kind of, uh, you know, not so much in vogue, uh, to say the least. Absolutely. And galleries and kind of foundations. Uh, we're working with quite a few foundations as well who are for, for, for the foundations, especially if they have a, a, a sort of private museum space or maybe they have an artist residency uh, space or program. They're right. also saying, wow, we don't we don't want to be left behind. So we want a technology that's keeping up for us to manage our inventory, but we also want to work with a company that has the ability to do, uh, to help us with NFTs, uh, and to help us create and mint and sell NFTs and be Web3 ready when when the metaverse comes or when, when those opportunities come. So I think that's really what it's all about. And it doesn't have to be hugely intimidating. It right. is. If you're if you're going in cold and googling it, then you can get yourself quite overwhelmed quite easily. But right. Wow. Yeah. We're, playing that, we're trying to play that role with our, our with our clients to really uh, hold their hands through that right. process and 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 in a very practical way. So um, being able to to take them through a kind of webinar process or a a training process on the nft side and literally because we have an nft platform to go right through to the end where they've created right. one minted one and sold one and then they really know how it works as opposed to just reading blogs right and for the art collector i guess you could say the individual art collector is it easier with this platform to find you know, new artists, you know, to buy from. So I would imagine, you know, especially with your background, you know, with a client, you may get a call periodically. Listen, I'm looking to expand my uh, collection. I'd like to, I'd like to discover the next new it artist. I want to see who the next, um, you could say uh, groundbreaking, or you could say um, uh, the next, uh, you know, the next, you know, avant-garde, so to say, type of artist is going to be in in a certain style and i would imagine with this website you can probably pull and extract that information relatively quickly if you need a name right at off the top of your head to be fair that kind of information and that kind of answering that kind of question for a collector is never going to be easy because right right of course <laughs> so you need to really part of that is a kind of consultation process and there are many, there are many online art marketplaces, massive ones. There are many art advisories. There are, so I think a question like that would be, no, you wouldn't, I, I think it would be difficult and the collector would need to, would need to work. They would typically be working with great galleries or great advisors. Sure. So those are, those are the, in the traditional art world, those are the places that they would typically go. But what right. our what our system does for them is when they are um, buying and collecting, building a collection, it enables them to enjoy it in right. ways 
that they haven't before. I'll, I'll give you a little example. So I was working with a collector. Uh, she needed to insure the collection and didn't digitize. So that became the urgency and, right. and it was right. the pain of digitizing this thing. So we got her onto the system and she started to, to upload, uh, upload the, the information and images. And she said, I've got about 200 and something works. Right. And I, and I kept in contact with her and <laughs> I called her at one stage and said, how's it going? And she said, you won't believe it. I'm on nearly 800. I said, what do you mean? <laughs> she said, we have nearly 800 works. <laughs> I thought we had 200. She said, I forget because I buy and I store them and they're all right. stored now that we're unpacking. But she was the most excited about the fact that for the first time, because of the kind of web interface, even though she wasn't making that public, she could share it and show it and enjoy it and see it, wow. see the work, see the collection altogether, kind of start curating it uh, through the platform. So I think that's really the, the, the joy that we bring collectors. That's great. So, you know, you could essentially be having, you know, a get together or you could be attending a dinner party of sorts. And if you really want to showcase your entire gallery, you could pretty much just bring your tablet with you or bring, you know, um, <laughs> bring essentially, bring, yeah, exactly. You can have it digitally and conveniently just on hand, so to say. Exactly. Wow. And I would imagine, like, back in the day, I guess, hypothetically, somebody wanted to share, maybe, let's say, you know, um, show off their collection to friends. Would people just have to carry almost like a photo album or just a bunch of pictures just to kind of like, oh, by the way, you know, check check this out. I was sitting, I was sitting having breakfast a while back with a, a, a big collector and he was excited and he was trying to show me and he was sort of saying, wait, 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 going through his phone, going through his phone. It's here somewhere, it's here somewhere, it's in my photos. Oh, right. oh why do I have so many photos? There it is, one, and then he'd go. <laughs> and it, it would avoid, uh, or it would avoid that. And, right. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, you mentioned something very interesting. Uh, with NFTs and I guess you could say when people started essentially buying and flipping certain NFTs to make a quick profit, obviously in the art world, that's a huge no-no. You don't simply just buy pieces and kind of just start flipping them like these are, you know, old houses, you know, that, that are, that one is renovating. So what is the, is there an average amount of time people tend to hold on to art before they sell it? You know, not long ago, it was, it was at least 10 years in the traditional art world that, that okay. was considered an acceptable time frame. Most collectors really very seldom uh, sell anything at all right? because they're about acquiring. But I think this, this um, transactional kind of almost the excitement of trading is, is going to change that. And I right. think, the new kind of millennial traditional collector is starting to see that and go, maybe we can do that a bit more with our traditional collection and vice versa, the crypto sort of NFT buyer that came from the crypto world is starting to say, oh, I've now built up an NFT collection and right. it, it has increased my interest in art and now i'm extending that into into traditional art so they're beginning to look to and there's a blurring starting to happen and 
one of the really interesting things that in a way makes that flipping behavior uh, a little bit more fair to the original creator is this ongoing um, revenue that the, 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 the original creator will get. So right. typically a smart contract will have, uh, will have a, a, like 10% that, that continually right. goes back. So every time it's flipped or sold, the original creator will still get some revenue from it. So if the work goes up and up and up in value through that behavior, right. um, they're gaining. So, and that didn't exist in the traditional world. And people are starting to ask, well, hang on a second, maybe the artist deserves that in the traditional world as well. So right. I think there is, I think there is going to be a, a cross pollination and some adjustments on both sides. Um, and I think yeah. that's going to be interesting. And museums are going to start collecting NFTs. Some of them have, some of them have not yet. They're still watching. So there's some of them are waiting for kind of really great artists to create right. really great NFTs for, for, for museums. Um, but that's going to happen. And then I think what's going to be really interesting is the engagement with the NFT, because I think up to now, NFTs have been bought and kept in crypto wallets right. and enjoyed as JPEGs on, on your phone. But when a museum is buying an NFT for the public to enjoy, it can't be like that. It can't be in a, in a wallet somewhere on, on a blockchain. It has to be delivered in a space so that the public can enjoy it. And it has to be part of the art history conversation so i think they'll be looking at it going what which artworks are part of this moment in art history right and how and which are the important ones and then how do we deliver them to the public to enjoy so i think that um, that the technology that that starts to make those works are they huge big screens is it right. uh, is it projected in some way is it right uh, that's going to be become really interesting as well and then the quality of the nft is going to become far more important too right because some are some are not great quality right now but yeah absolutely we, we can certainly get into that uh you know shortly as well and i was going to say this is platform art funding will this actually make it easier for artists to actually get paid and have kind of this ongoing like royalty like stream of you know revenue you know so to say like you know like you mentioned um 10 seems to be like the average type of royalty for let's say an nft artist when they have their artwork posted and subsequent buyers you know go ahead and, and purchase it yes it is that 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 is the average and yes it, it why it makes it so easy is because it's written into the smart contract. Right. And various different platforms have different smart contracts. So ours has a smart contract also because we came from that traditional art world and because we think right. about galleries and artists, our smart contract has two kind of innovations in it, I think. One is uh, an allowance for gallery commissions, artists and gallery commissions per artwork that can be defined per artwork by either party. And the other is 
copyright, which is a huge issue right. and uh, a lot of confusion around copyright. So collectors are asking if I've bought um, if I've bought an NFT or for that matter traditional artwork, do I have the right to commercialize it? So if if it's an right. NFT and I do I have the right to then make prints uh, or t-shirts or whatever? Yes, if, yes. If it's artwork that I own sitting on the wall, do I have a right to make a high resolution scan and turn it into an NFT and sell it? And right. the answer of course is no on either of those counts, but uh, usually no, unless copyright has been specifically transferred by the artist. So, right. and most NFT platforms haven't got to that within their smart contracts yet. They haven't, That's very they're good not point. saying, yeah. and they're not making it clear to either the artist or the collector, what, what's the rule here? What can I and can't I do with this thing when I, once I've bought it? So I think that's a hugely important piece of clarity to have yes, as either indeed. a buyer or a creator as well. Right. So, you know, as we're seeing now with, you know, with platforms such as yours, ArtFundy, and now with the advent of smart contracts and, you know, essentially NFT royalty processes, are there any problems with, you know, getting paid on time with artists in the, coming from the traditional art world. So, you know, you know, let's say we're an NFT artist can really get really their money. The moment, for the most part, somebody buys their piece and then second, third, and, you know, fourth buyers come along. If you're a traditional artist in the traditional art world, um, are there any historical problems with just getting timely pay, a timely payment for, you know, some of their pieces. And especially if you have, let's say, a limited edition. So if you have a specific piece, maybe there's only 10. And let's say you sell all 10 of those. But could there just be like delays of like three months or six months or even up to a year as far as kind of getting your money on time? Absolutely. It's I think that's a real pain point for artists. And right. even for galleries, sometimes they've made the sale and then the collector takes long to to make the payment or uh, makes it in installments or whatever. So, but at the end of the day, that comes down to relationships. And unfortunately, there have been uh, an array of horror stories that people will tell. Right. Uh, and then again, some that are that that run perfectly smoothly, but there are no there are no guarantees or checks and balances in the traditional art world when it's right. somebody sending an invoice and somebody else making an EFT payment. Right. Uh, traditional fiat, it's, it's just, you, it, you're relying on trust and the traditional right. art works hugely on trust. And, it, right. and, and it's, those, it's, it's the trust and those reputations around payment and all sorts of, and treatment and promises being kept and all sorts of other things that make an art business's reputation um, right. But on the other side, on the NFT side, it's it that has gone away. That's the whole joy of the blockchain. That's the point of right. the blockchain. That's why it's such a revolution. It's going to be a massive revolution in the world right. of finance, in the world of transparency about all sorts of things. If you think about NGOs oh, um, yes. and you're making a donation to save some wild animal in some far off forest you don't know if the money gets there but no yeah. blockchain you will know exactly where it goes and whether the the recipient right. whether the job is done or not and who did it and when and 
so yeah. its applications are so important that there's no way that it's not going to be revolutionary and right. therefore the art world has to be part of it right and i think with this transparency with blockchain this might actually encourage you know uh more altruism and you know like you said if you want to essentially donate you know funds or you know donate something of value towards let's say saving an endangered you know species of animal or you know perhaps you know adding uh, some sort of liquidity or funding towards helping out with some sort of humanitarian crisis you can actually see you know with full transparency each step of the way and i guess you could say the source and the end point for let's say where your you know donation will be Absolutely. I mean, my very first job was for a, a big global NGO called World Vision, and I, I was their photojournalist. And I remember having this this idea of transparency was delivered by me sort of getting in a car and driving to some rural location with my camera and right. taking pictures and then going to the darkroom and printing the prints and then sending them in an envelope to the donor in, right. in the US or wherever. And it was such a process and now it's it's so visible and instant uh, uh, and accountable so and it, that's one example but in the art world it's it, it, the advantages of that and the transparency of that which i mean transparency's kind of plagued the art world for so many years um it will it will change things and um but not right. everything, you know, everybody also, I think one has to also be careful not to, uh, not to assume that the whole art world, the way of working is going to change that dramatically because right. it is very much a relationship business and, yes. uh, and a tastemaker's ecosystem, if you like. I don't think that's going to change very much. Right. But um, but I think people have to be up to speed with these new technologies and right. and within those as well, it's about having trusted platforms that you can work with that are being sensible and advising in a sensible way. Right, absolutely. And I was going to ask too. So, do you think platforms such as our fundy, such as yours? and blockchain technology, do you think um, these technologies will be able to better detect, you know, art fraud? And this is, you know, anecdotally speaking, but from galleries that I know up here in New York and artists, um, they've shown me stuff sometimes where, you know, um, I guess you could say individual stories or instances of art fraud. And I'm, you know, some of these, you could say knockoffs. I mean, I'm a lay person, comparatively speaking, but I can't tell the difference if, if I look at some of these knockoffs versus you know the real deal i'm like this is this is serious even, like <laughs> even amazing expert a friend of mine is an art detective in switzerland and he has some amazing stories to tell even even experts even uh, experts at the best auction houses have been fooled by well wow. amazing and, and i mean with ai uh, the ability to to replicate work at an incredible level will be yeah. there so that's going to be a huge challenge for for the art world right but i would imagine especially with uh you know with, with blockchain and you know some of the machine learning you know algorithms i would imagine it's going to streamline you know i guess art fraud detection greatly 
uh, in the coming years, especially if you can have some sort of algorithm that can kind of detect those nuances. Yes, uh, people are working on that. It's it's not nearly as as easy as one would hope it will be, but it's um, and, the, uh, and there'll be as many people working on the wrong side of that equation as there are right. on, on the good side of that equation. Right. So, Got it. And you know, I wanted to know. Uh, I wanted to know your take on this. So you know, NFT art has really exploded onto you know the art scene probably for about a year and a half, two years. And I'll have to say, when I first saw a lot of these pieces, I didn't get it. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, uh, I, at least, I, I guess you could say some of the things that came out, whether it was like, you know, Cyberpunks or Board Ape, Board Ape Yacht Club, I kind of didn't get it, especially with the, the prices, you know, they were kind of commanding, you know, at the time. And I think as time goes on, I've seen all different types of NFT art. And, you know, some of the, you know, some of the, I guess you would say the styles or the uh, works themselves are kind of more intuitive as far as, okay, I see why this costs so much. Um, was that going through your head too, especially coming at, coming from the traditional art world? Because like you, and I think like many, a lot of them just looked like just JPEGs at first or something you'd see from like an old video game uh, somewhere. Absolutely. I, I, I think some of them, I've looked at some of them and gone, I, this is crazy. This right. is mad. And some of them are. I, I think there's a. I think there's a lot of rubbish out there, and right. I think the, a lot of people kind of jumping onto the bandwagon and and thinking, oh, I can I, I can produce some of that, um, and and throwing stuff that's not great digital art or art or anything. It's not even a good NFT out there, and they're still selling it. Um, but even some of what is what will go down in history has a price point because it's going to go down in history so um th there's a th there's a the, the kind of nuance around that but as a as a lay person kind of looking at it all i think a lot of people are are very confused but then right. it's the same thing in the traditional art world you look at a squiggle on them and you go why <laughs> i get asked that I, right my, so those same issues still exist even in my four-year-old can do that why, why does that go <laughs> right. for a million dollars or whatever right and uh, so that's always interested in art and, right. and, and but that, that question and i think this is going to come up more this interrogation of what is good and sure. which artists are important and who created it and how does that how does this thing fit within their general art practice or as a creator their kind of history so those are the questions that are going to come up and that's the kind of refinement that's going to come into the marketplace as as it matures right got it so i have two questions from a colleague of mine she wanted me to ask this of you she's looking to get into collecting art whether it's traditional or you know nfts she wanted to know if you're an art collector how many pieces of art do you need to really be considered as a art collector or at least you know you could almost say even communicate to other people that you are an art collector. Well, I know it's a little, it's a little abstract or philosophical there, but uh, um, she was very, what, very curious about that. Yeah. I, I mean, we have, we have some collectors that have thousands of works and right. we have those that have 50. Um, 
And but I think you can be, I think you can call yourself an art collector when you've got two, if that's what you're setting out to do. So it's about there's a big difference between an art buyer who might go and have, you might have 15 paintings or works of art hanging in your house, but when the walls that you want to decorate are filled, you will stop. Then you're not right. a collector. You've got 15 pieces. Maybe you've got a big house. You've got 50 pieces. I don't know. <laughs> right. But if you're, you've got a small apartment and you're a young person, but you want to support artists, you want to collect, you're thinking about your strategy, what's, what is the story that you're trying to tell? Because an, a collector is a kind of curator. They're gathering right. and by association of one piece with another, they're telling it their own story, right? Right. If that's the way you're thinking about it, it can be your very first piece and you're a collector. Wow, so if that's, very interesting. If that's what they want to do, and I, I, I did an I did an interview sort of interview series a while back with collectors, and what came up every single time was when I asked them about the first piece they ever bought. And it right. was amazing to me. I started noticing the pattern. It was like their voice lit up, their eyes lit up, their, and their memory was so intact, even though it was so long ago for many of them, about exactly where it was, what they were doing, what they were wearing, who they were with, right. what it cost them. And many of them said it wasn't expensive. I outgrew it in terms of my taste, right. but I'll never sell that piece because it was my first piece and it kicked, it sort of lit the fire <laughs> so wow. i from piece number one and if your friend is um is interested then they, they should call themselves a collective when they bought that very first piece because that's that's huge and that's wonderful got it yeah i'll definitely let her know and her second question was how many artists or collections does an art gallery need to really become an art gallery or call themselves an art gallery? Is it kind of along the lines of what you said about being an art collector? Um, it could really just kind of depend as far as, you know, within the spectrum, because you can have 50, you can have probably over a hundred or even just hmm. maybe just a few. That depends on what kind of art gallery you want to be. Okay. So there are galleries that are selling their, they're really just about selling art, so um, and they're not hugely about building artist careers. I see. If you're building an artist's career, your your business model is going to be different. You can't have fifty artists because you can't afford it, especially when you're right. starting out. You might start with two or three, right? Um, and you might end up at fifteen when you're quite a mature gallery. Um, because you're running a gallery program, you've got to give them each a kind of solo show once a year. You've got to take them to art fairs. Right. There's a huge investment involved and a huge investment of your time in placing them in the museums and placing them in the collections and working closely with them to help them push their practice further. That right. kind of business model, you wouldn't, you would have a handful or two of artists. Right. But but there are galleries that um that are not taking that career kind of building role with artists they may have many more artists right and they're more about um selling and they're more tip those are typically in higher footfall areas where there people are coming in and it's more a sort of sales role 
Got and, it. And the artists themselves would either typically work with the, the career type gallery and have one gallery, or they would have multiple of the sort of sales galleries. And effectively, they are like a sales arm for them. Right. But the, but the artist themselves is building their own career and just working with galleries as a, as a retail outlet in a way. Got it. And you just raised a very good point, by the way. So I guess if we're talking about the first business model, how much overhead and costs are involved for the art gallery if, let's say, an art gallery is promoting an artist? Because, you know, with blockchain and like NFTs and you could say this decentralized tech, a lot of these costs can now be mitigated. So I'm imagining if you're an art gallery, how much money goes into actually promoting these artists? Like, like let's say if it's, a, you know, certain like a, at, at different like expos or if it's at different you know type of events, there has to be a lot of capital that goes into it's, that. It's a, it's a lot. You, you, you'd be in for twenty dollars to $30,000 for a wow. one fair and yeah. you might do five or six of those in a year or four or five. And your gallery space is typically really expensive and you, right. because it needs to be quite big, you've got staff. And if you're giving a, a, sh a show to an artist for a whole month, your entire month's overhead, your salaries, your space, right. your, is all going to be covered by that that one artist, which is why the commission structures are the way they are, because right. um, because they're, they're spending a lot and doing a lot. If they're good, they're doing a lot to promote that artist's career, and they're and they're managing that artist's prices for them in the market, and they're really right. uh, taking them on a on a journey. So if that if that's the business model and they're good, then then it's really a partnership. Right. And let's say for the art gallery to, you know, recoup some of those costs, um, is there like an industry average as far as the percentage the art gallery will receive with, let's say, each piece of art their artist sells? There are, there are, there are absolutely standard kind of averages and it, and, and it depends from the maturity of the gallery, the scale, the situation, yeah. but it could be 50%. Um, in a, as a kind of 50 50 partnership right and it depends what costs the gallery's covering for the artist etc and it could be 40 percent and then online galleries might be 15 or 20 um again depending what they do and so it, that's also changing there are it's right. a, there are a lot, a lot more um different points and a right. lot more i think the artists have more negotiation now Right. And they yeah. And by the way, correct me if I'm wrong, but I guess if, you know, from the art gallery's point of view, the amount of space within your own gallery, um, that is very, very important as far as your profitability. Because um, I would imagine, you know, obviously some pieces are larger than others and you have to also ascertain which ones are most likely going to sell. And how do I use this space in the best way possible to make sure that this piece finds a buyer? And exactly, and uh, and often, if the gallery is the former business model, they they'll know who that buyer is likely to be, while the artist's still making the work. So oh, the show becomes the show becomes about the artist's career and and visibility and and, and giving them the space to to experiment with a different 
because when, right. a, when an exhibition happens as opposed to just an artwork conversation happens between one piece and another between the audience right. and the work it's allowing all of that to happen uh, there's a lot there's a lot of complexity in running a good gallery and that a lot of, i think a lot of the time the audience doesn't understand the role that the gallery plays even even the artists might or the artists and galleries don't always communicate that really well with each other so you right it's worth having that conversation really well with your gallery as to what the expectations are on both sides right. i also think in this digital age as you said nfts are another op revenue opportunity that don't take up space that don't um, right that's another ad advantage or another reason to to think about it and so one could just use your platform and you can just showcase thousands just almost seemingly infinite volumes of different collections and artists you could but again it's about i mean each art business is is right trying to tell a, a story so they're not necessarily even going to show everything that they, they they might have an inventory of hundreds or thousands in their in the system and only right. choose to publish or show a small selection of them at any right. one time because that's a particular story they're trying to tell or a particular market they're trying to talk to right yeah yeah and by the way i like uh i like that you touched upon telling a story because often when i've had nft artists uh come on to the show often when somebody ends up buying a piece of theirs it's really the emotional connection or kind of the story that's going through that person's head you know in that moment when uh, i guess they're getting you know from the thought to decision in the actual you know purchase uh, i find that very fascinating absolutely you've hit on something there because if you think about human nature you you don't instantly sort of meet someone and uh, connect you that develops over time so right. and it's the same you're not going to make a lot of buyers aren't going to make an instant decision they're going to think about it and there's a right. lot of competition out there so if you haven't given them enough to engage them for a length of time and they might and on different platforms so engage them on your right. instagram engage them on an nft platform engage them on your website engage them with video tell a story in a different sure. way and and then they've got all these different touch points and you're literally warming them up because when they first come in they don't know you they don't know where you fit in the art ecosystem are you right. real how long have you been around what is this work how does it relate to your previous work they don't know any of that so they want to they want to explore that but if you don't take them on that journey then they're just going to be bounced off by some other distraction because there are so many um right. and you'll lose them so it's worth uh, it's worth around your nfts and you're not seeing much of that on nfts actually you're seeing a lot more of that now on on the traditional media in in the online sense so galleries are starting to really create online viewing rooms with with video in and flip books catalogs right. and, and and multiple images of an artwork so and voice notes and whatever else so that people can really get engaged with the work but you're not right. seeing so much of that on the nft side yet but i think that will come because it's the same human nature right 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 I love and, stories. yes kind of the the storytelling and the 
the presentation of it and I think how it kind of all mixes and uh, merges in our head. Uh, I've been doing some research and in fact, uh, and many you know NFT artists who have already come on have talked about this a little bit, but there is there are certain fundamentals or there are certain ingredients that can make an NFT collection successful. And one of the ones that came up was having a community. So many of the NFT uh, artists who are very, very acceptable, very, very successful, sorry, like the peoples of the world, they have these very, very large either like Discord or Telegram groups or something like that, some sort of big community buy-in. And it often just kind of happens right before they kind of explode. When it comes to traditional um, art and artists, is it kind of like that too? There's some sort of a building community or almost like a fan base before that person is, is like selling pieces for like the hundreds of thousands and up. I, I think that's always a good idea, of course, for an artist, but I think the, the types of NFTs that require that a lot more are the NFT projects. So you typically might sure. see 10,000 works in a project, which means that for that project to succeed, there has to be a very large community. It has to be very excited. You'd need right. to build that community up. And typically those types of NFTs also have an ongoing community engagement component to them. So it's almost gamified and it's, it's almost right. a membership. So having being an owner of one of those NFTs gives you membership to some kind of exclusive right. club in the metaverse where right. You can do things, other people can, you can be part of something. So it's that kind of NFT project that really right. requires, they, right. can, they can live off, they can, they can succeed or fail on the, the success of building those communities or not building. Them. That's a very good point too. Yeah, indeed. And but I think, I think an artist that isn't doing the, those kind of big projects that community building isn't essential ahead of they could sure. they could they could sell to without having such a massive community wow very interesting and i have one last question for today so since you created art funding and i think you had the intuition and the flexibility and the ability to adapt essentially your experience in the traditional art world into Web3 and NFTs in the metaverse, what does ArtFundy have in store or what goals does ArtFundy have for 2022? Yeah, <laughs> we are uh, continually improving the platform and uh, it's a continual uh, process of keeping up, but also inventing and, um, and listening to our customers. So um very much delivering trying to deliver greater and greater delight is really what right. what we're trying to do and um take people on a on a journey and make sure that we're enabling them to keep up and, um, and to enhance their businesses so it's about growing helping our clients to grow their business globally through right. tech uh, and I think it's a huge opportunity um, for for us to 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 grow the technology con constantly in that direction for our 
customers, but also um, for for every art business in the in the world. Right. And it's it's starting to level off the playing fields. It, it, your geography doesn't matter so much anymore. Right. So I think it's really 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 exciting, and we'll just keep keep listening to our customers and keep trying to delight them as much as we can. Right. And just for the uh, viewers' context, you're based both out of the UK and in South Africa. Yes, that's right. Okay, got it. And are there any uh, plans or any um, intention to expand elsewhere, like maybe uh, New York City or Miami or I guess any other yeah. major city that's definitely going to appreciate and welcome this? Yes, we are. Uh, we've been in talks in the US, so that is definitely on our future cards. Awesome. And for the viewers, I'll be uh, I'll be sure to put uh, Tamsin and Art Fundy's information in the comments section today. So both the respective addresses in uh, South Africa and in London. So um, you can all check out uh, Art Fundy's site itself and see what they have in store for everybody. But Tamsin, I have to say it was an absolute pleasure to have you on today. This was incredibly informative and I am very very, uh, I guess you could say, optimistic to see uh, where Art Fundy is going to be going. And I would imagine it was probably a very bold, mo bold move of you, especially coming from the art world, to create a platform like this and essentially, you know, pitch this and interact with all of the different artists and art collectors and galleries to kind of get some sort of like support and buy-in, you know, to push this thing forward and start kind of communicating this effectively to people. It's an exciting journey indeed. And thank you, Adam, for um, giving us the platform to chat to you and your audience today. I've really enjoyed it. Absolutely. And I'd love to have you come on, come back on in perhaps a few months uh, you know, for a follow-up for a second episode and uh, pick up uh, from this conversation and see where NFT art is um, going to be later this year. That would be amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tamsin. And uh, I'll speak to you soon. And thank you very much again. Cheers. Take care. Bye.